Welcome back to another episode of the Patio State Podcast. As Rob said a couple weeks ago, all you weirdos, don't take that personal. We love you. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here listening to three of us. I'm Anthony. We got Tony. We got Nate. And we are back. Like, let's, let's keep using that, right? We're back. We're back. Yeah. Again. Again. Best day of the week. As always. As always. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> like Metallica. We're back. And just one thing I got to notate. I'm a self-proclaimed weirdo. So if anyone's offended out there, I am a weirdo. I admit it. It's all good. No offense. I might have all... had a pipe named weirdo at one point. Yes, I remember. Where's weirdo? Yeah. Also a great, <laughs> named after a really amazing song, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Korashi. Good call. I didn't think of that. Yeah, good point. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're back. We're doing our thing. We're, we're nerding out again, as we always do. As I always say. As always. Always. As. Always. Yes. <laughs> The pod is back. We had a great conversation tonight with uh, Jeremy Saffer, who we met this summer at Tattoo the Earth. He was doing all of the photo shoots for the bands before they went on stage. And uh, we kind of saddled up to him that day. We saddled up to the area he was in, you know, talked to some folks around the show, the festival, all that stuff. And then talked to him at the end of the evening. We're like, hey, man, we'd like to talk to you down the road. And he was all for it. And did he deliver tonight or what? Yeah, he was... He was amazing. Like you, you don't know what you're going to get when you interview people. Although with this one, we did have some dialogue with him and, and I don't know if you guys remember, like when we chatted with him for like two minutes, he was very present and he was very engaged in the conversation, which is interesting because he did a full day of photography and he was still like dialed in. I think that's an extension of his craft. Like there's a reason he's Jeremy Saffer, you know? Oh, well said. Yeah, and also, you know, we were talking pre, like, how many photographers photographers have we had on? And it made me think, especially post, like, everyone, photographer, band, promoter, everyone has a different take, a different story, a different come up. His, in particular, is extremely relatable, not only the fact that we all are from New England, but um, just little tidbits in this interview that we jump in, like, hey, that was us. Hey, we did that. Hey, we were there. And that's always extra special because it's extremely relatable in a time that was very analog and to present day, which is very digital. So um, great story, great dialogue, and uh, we're going to get into it right now. All right. We are here with Jeremy Safford. Jeremy, thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. We met you this summer at Tattoo the Earth. And I remember the three of us, Anthony and, and Nate and myself, Tony, were, were looking to find a place to kind of set up and, you know, it's sort of quiet, but not, it's not going to be quiet, right? It's a metal festival, but a place where we can find that we can interview some people. And you had a nice space upstairs at the Palladium where you were d- taking, you know, photographs of all the bands that were coming through. I was like, guys, we got to be close to Jeremy because he's got everybody coming through. <laughs> we might be able to just pull somebody in and say, hey, you want to talk to us for 10 minutes? And that happened a few times. So we appreciate you letting us kind of, rub elbows with you in the palladium that day yeah of course no worries the palladium is the best it's my home away from home nice yeah we have a, a couple of those and the palladium's one i know anthony's been to a bunch of shows there but uh that's a place that we all kind of love it was a place we drove down to a ton in high school and saw a bunch of shows there and uh, getting back there to to work a, a festival like that and be you know talking to people from bands that are going to play that night or that afternoon was kind of a dream come true for us so it was it was cool to be able to see you know, all of that that goes into it, you know, there's the barbershop and then you're mm-hmm. taking photos of everybody and it's, it looks awesome. You know, that's, that's stuff that we don't, didn't get to see as fans before. Yeah. There was a good synergy between all everyone 
working that festival and uh, watching everything go, go down behind the scenes, especially what you do, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I didn't do many shoots on that one. It was kind of hectic where I was, uh, I was shooting another three-day festival in Salem that weekend, but I left the Saturday to do Tattoo the Earth and went right back on Sunday. So we just did a couple quick things, nothing too big, but, you know, fun and easy. So, Jeremy, you're a New England guy, right? Yeah, Western Massachusetts. Right on. Yeah, the three of us were all from Southern Maine. Nate abandoned us. He's out in Southern California. But Tony and I, we're still in the Portland, Maine area. So I was thinking, we, we've been in the same room literally hundreds of times. Like, we, like Tony said, we grew up at the Palladium. I don't know. Have you ever been up to like Portland for the State Theater or anything like that? Um, I just did a shoot within this moment for their album up there. And I know I went up there previously for like Green Day and My Chem stuff like 15, 20 years ago. No, Civic Center. 2006 or seven, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, but those are the only times I've really been up there. Oh, and for the Slayer DVD, but I think that was in Bangor, maybe? I think, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't go to Maine too, too often. I tend to stick to, you know, Worcester, Boston, Hartford, Albany, kind of, and, and sometimes Rhode Island, but lately everything's going to Boston anyway, so it's me going to Boston all the time now. I was going to say, that's why we went down there, because stuff didn't come up to Maine, so we were like, shit, got to go down to Worcester. But we love Worcester, so it's great. Yeah, same. So, Jeremy, you, you don't wake up one day and start filming Slayer photographing slayer so take us back like there's one day in your childhood where you were not a photographer and then there was another day where you were a photographer so how did that like what was your come up with photography so it wasn't in photography it was in music and actually spoiler alert my second photo shoot i ever did ever was slayer so (laughs) 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 but uh that being said um yeah I, i started as a musician and I, you know, I was in bands, I was shooting shows for fun, and I would take pictures of the bands we'd open up for, I would shoot, you know, all the local hardcore shows and whatnot, all the local shows for me, like every week, every Sunday, there'd be a show that would be, you know, the small shows like Lamb of God, Hatebreed, Killswitch Engage, uh, Shadows Fall, All That Remains, that kind of stuff. And uh, Scott Lee, who runs all the shows, and at the time at Western Mass, had me start shooting for him shooting all his shows he worked for a bigger company called mass concerts which does you know the palladium some shows in lowell work tour all those other things and then he had me start shooting for mass concerts so essentially i my, my trajectory was i'm going to berkeley school of music for music production engineering and i shoot shows for fun you know i love shooting shows it's it's what i do for fun i get into the shows for free i get to see the bands i like it's awesome and then i went to shoot like whoever i could didn't matter if i liked them like I went and shot Santana, Simon and Garfunkel, anything that Mass Concerts was doing, I would shoot. I went to Berkeley. I absolutely hated it. And when (laughs) I got to that fork in the road of, you know, I've been playing music since I was nine, and I take pictures for fun, I don't know what to do with my life, I went up to Scott, and I was like, yeah, man, I don't know what to do. And he was just like, well, what do you want to do? And I was just like, take pictures. And it never dawned on me, but he was like, do that. And I never considered it something other than, you know, I do this for fun. So immediately I left Berkeley. I went on tour. I jumped off tour, went to the Hallmark Institute of Photography. So I wasn't shooting on auto the entire time, which I had done. Like the first few shows I shot, I shot with disposable cameras because tickets, when you get them, 
when you get your concert tickets, it says no professional photography allowed. I didn't know that when you had a photo pass, that means you can bring in a professional camera. Right. So I would roll up with cargo pants full of like five or six of those 27 exposure, you know, disposable cameras. And that's how I shot like Milwaukee Metal Fest, uh, the first Metal Fest I shot in at uh, the Palladium. The first bunch of shows I shot were on disposable cameras. And I realized, oh, wait, I have a photo pass. I can bring in a real camera. But essentially, I just dove right into, you know, photography put down the guitar for a camera and the camera has been my instrument and I'm still in the, uh, the music industry as, as you guys know, but that's essentially how it all started. And as soon as I, you know, at Hallmark, I was doing photo shoots of bands at that time. Like I was doing bleeding through Slayer, uh, static X, uh, a whole bunch of bands while I was still going through it. Cause I was already had that reputation of being a photographer. Cause at the time I'd been shooting shows since I was like 15 years old. So like four or five years of shooting shows under my belt already, already had the contacts. As soon as I graduated, I went right back out on tour and I spent a good five, six years as a touring photographer, but I kind of became more of a portrait photographer through everything, you mm -hmm. know, and I do way more portraiture and photo shoots than I do concert photography nowadays, but it's kind of, you know, if I'm at a show doing a photo shoot, I'm going to shoot the show too. And, you know, sometimes nice. I do show coverage, so it's kind of does that a little bit. That's cool that you can still do that because that's where you kind of came up, obviously. But you're you're clearly you're doing that. Go to Jeremy's website, and then, well, it'll be in in the show notes. There is some phenomenal set photography there, so uh, it's cool that you're able to do both of that still. Uh, us being a music pod, and obviously that's how we met you. What were you listening to growing up that like kind of got you into wanting to be into the music industry in some form or fashion? Like, what was what was your stuff growing up? Well, I had phases. My first phase was probably New Kids on the Block and Little Mermaid soundtrack. Uh, directly after that, when I was like nine or ten, it was Metallica. Metallica was my favorite band. They were the world and anything Metallica adjacent. So like Megadeth, Misfits, Slayer, like that kind of stuff is what I grew up on. New Metal hit, and I immediately loved New Metal. I liked, you know, White Zombie's not New Metal, but like White Zombie, uh, Corn. Uh, the first Limp Bizkit album, as that came in, I was really into that. And then as I went to Berkeley, I got more and more, well, even before Berkeley, I got just right into extreme metal. So black metal, as soon as Cradle, as soon as I heard Cradle, I was all about black metal. And that was my life throughout high school and throughout college, just black metal, power metal, thrash metal, death metal, you know. And that's kind of where I stayed for a very long time, becoming one of those nerdy elitists that's like, uh, you can't like this. That's dumb because it's not black metal. But um, as the scene I grew up shooting, you know, I loved all those bands too. So I was kind of like, all right, so this is cool. This is cool. And then the metal and hardcore fest kept on happening. And it was just like, cool. It's awesome seeing these two genres of music that generally do battle getting along and coexisting. And then metalcore exists now. And it's like, cool. It's both genres together. So I just exploded into, okay, all all my friends are in these bands like Kill Switch, All That Remains, and I shoot them all the time. I like the extreme metal, and so I listen to everything. And it just blew up after like after high school and throughout college, just listened to all of the metal. Do you think that was like a product? I mean, we can relate, but I was going to say, do you think it's a product of your environment, considering New England's like such a, a metal scene, or was there some kind of family member or friend that kind of showed you the way so 
my best friend growing up with this was this dude Jeff Brown, who lived in my backyard. There was the corner house and the house right next door. He lived in that house, and he was in a bunch of bands. He was a uh, maybe four or five years older than I was. Yeah, I just grew up going to shows with him. Like, uh, he brought me to my first Metallica show. He brought me to my first extreme metal shows of like At the Gates with uh, Napalm Death. Uh, to my first corn show, that kind of stuff. But he got me into all that kind of stuff. But my guitar teacher, uh, Ollie Herbert, who was in All That Remains, he lived down the street from me as well. He got me into a lot of other bands too. And it was more like he got me into like bands like Candlemass and Merciful Fate. Whereas Jeff got me into like Metallica, Pantera, Slayer. And then I got into the more extreme stuff. And then I brought that to Ollie. I'm like, hey, Ollie, check out Children of Bodom, check out Cradle of Phil, check out Dimu. Yeah, it was really cool cool growing up in that environment where, like, Ollie would tell... It, before I worked for Scott as a photographer, when I was much younger, Ollie would bring me to shows and be like, yeah, this is my little brother. I know it's 21 plus, but I'll look after him. So that's how I got to see Merciful Fate way back in the day and Cannibal Corpse and all that kind of stuff, which was really cool. So growing up on that when I was, like, 13, 14, 15 was, was definitely, like, the foundation of all of that. One of the things that we love on this podcast is literally seeing that come up. So like you're the, you know, best in the biz in your craft. I mean, you are, but you started with new kids. You started with disposable cameras. It's encouraging. It's so encouraging because at times this can be a grind and this is frustrating. You're doing this podcast, but just seeing the roots and, you know, seeing the come up is, is awesome. Oh yeah. And, and it's cool. Um, Paris Vazone, another photographer who's incredible and shoots a lot of metal. She used to tour with uh, Limp Bizkit, Newfound Glory, Godsmack. She's New Kids photographer now, too, which is kind of cool. Cool seeing, like, she's a Boston photographer. So seeing, like, someone else in our scene going out and doing, like, New Kids is like, ah, that's awesome. <laughs> so what would 13-year-old Jeremy think if he could see 20 years into the future or 25? What would he be? He'd be like, how did this fucking happen? Oh, he'd, he'd be freaking out, but he... When I was that age, I was like, I wanted to be James Hetfield. That's what I wanted to do. I had the Explorer guitar. I wanted to learn guitar, be a rock star, do all that. And I think I made the right choice in not going that route at all, because I would just be, you know, working Uber and touring when I can kind of thing. But I, I post about this a lot. And in a lot of shoots I do, it's like, you know, doing the photos for, for Megadeth, like their actual photos, not I did a photo shoot with them. It's I did their photos for them. And it's like, okay, so all these bands I grew up listening to are now the people I work with and talk to on a daily basis. Some of them are my friends. Like, it's unreal. It's insane that like, you know, you you grow up watching them on Headbangers Ball. You grow up watching them on TV, watching their interviews. And then that's the voice calling you on the other side of the phone, like, you know, every now and again for like photo shoot stuff. And it's like, you know, holy shit, I'm talking to the voice I watched on TV and knew from the other room when he came on because I know that voice that well. It's really cool to have That's awesome. That's that name awesome. pop up on your phone. But, you know, it's once you meet them, once you get over, like, like you never really get too starstruck. You're just like, okay, it's another person who's a person. It's really cool that, like, I grew up on this and you just got to keep a level head and just be like, all right, another person. And it's insane that you know, it's someone I work with or someone who's a friend, but you know, young me would definitely freak out a bit. You said a few things, but that are again, very relatable. Not only did we all kind of grow up in the same scene and 
have it come up, but like we were going to shows pre-show. Our stop was like CVS. Got to buy some Sharpies. Got to buy some disposable cameras. We're talking mm -hmm. like 99, 2000, 2001 era. But also one of my first albums personally was the Free Willy soundtrack. So there's, there's a lot of <laughs> oh, yeah. interesting parallels there considering we're like a metal heavy podcast. But um, your tastes haven't changed, Nate. Your, your tastes have not evolved. Dude, see, Michael. I, Michael is the best. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Goat of that genre. But regardless, mm -hmm. you know, we kind of have like shoeboxes full of like old photos and stubs and passes and all that mm -hmm. shit. But I never looked at, you know, my work. Obviously, I guess I don't have the niche for it. Looking at disposable photos and whatnot and thinking like, I think I want to do this for a career. Was it like, when was the light bulb effect for you? Like, all right, these photos are, are something. I think I can do something. I, I got an eye for this. Was it you or was it someone else that pointed that out? It was Scott. Like, I was doing it, but it was always for fun. You know, it was something I loved doing. It was something like I thought the photos mattered. But it actually goes back to what you were talking about with Sharpies. I was the kid waiting outside the bus with a stack of vinyl to get signed. <laughs> so you're Nate. You are Nate. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I'm a collector. Um, I have several thousand Funko Pops. I have 6,000 DVDs, several thousand vinyl. I'm, I'm a definitely uh, a hoarder-like collector of things. And I love autographs. I love meeting the bands. You know, that was a big thing to me. And the selfishness of what I do is, is part of what drove me to it. It was, okay, I'm behind the barricade seeing a band. I see all these people in front of me taking pictures. They're getting a memento from this show that is theirs only. Like, anyone can go get an autograph. Not everybody can get that photo. How do I get that photo? And I learned how to get photo passes. And that was big for me. And then I was like, okay, this is kind of a cool collectible. Imagine like getting your live photo printed out and signed by the band. That's a very unique thing. A lot of photographers do that. Okay, what can I do to take this to the next level? There's 20 people in this photo pit. How many people are doing photo shoots with the band? Maybe one or two on an entire tour? That brings it to the next level, you know? And then it just, it was kind of a collector's mentality and kind of the back of the mind that kind of pushed me toward it even more. You know, obviously I love the photography, but that was, definitely part of it too that like e even though it's a little kind of a selfish thing it, it is something that drove me to it being a nerdy collector kid and growing up as a collector too yeah that's super cool we yeah. can totally relate to all of that too because i mean over my left shoulder are three photos from lance mercer who took pictures of soundgarden and pearl jam and my wife got them for me for my birthday because we talked to lance awesome. on this podcast and like it's the same thing like i want how do i talk to that guy how do i now we have a relationship, maybe we can buy some prints off him, you know, that type of thing. So uh, we, we can definitely relate to how do we get to that next step? And you know, sometimes mm -hmm. that's, hey, Jeremy's taking pictures of all these people up here. Let's, let's hang out right ne nearby and maybe we can talk to a couple of them, you know? Yeah, it's all about opportunity for sure. And it's all about making your own opportunities and making them happen. I love that you said, like, what could separate me from the, like, the rest of the pack? You know what I mean? Because... Growing up, I was at shows where there were more photographers than people attending the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, like when I started going to shows, it was Rev, Return of the Pet, Rev Aaron, Future Breed, Dan. Love Dan. Todd Pollock, Guy of the Storm, yep. you know, all those guys. And it was, it was like when they, when they were at shows, I was like, this is going to be awesome. Because like by the time I get home, I'm going to see these. But I think with a lot of those guys, like, maybe their focus was just the live show to have you kind of mm -hmm. have that vision of, you know, the, having the, you know, the personal photo shoots and stuff like that's, 
it's like a game theory. You're thinking a few steps ahead. It's like chess. Uh, kind of, yeah. I mean, it's it's what I wanted to do. Shooting shows was always something that I saw as like, I could do this for fun. Essentially, most people who shoot shows, and this is still true today, of 100 people who shoot a show, maybe one person makes money off of it. Mostly it goes online and gets shared online and nothing comes of it other than, you know, it gets eyes on it. It gets posted on the internet. But in terms of doing photo shoots, I would say out of 100 people doing a photo shoot with a band, 99 of them are getting paid, you know. So it's definitely a different financial move for sure. You know, I'm not in this for the money. If I was broke and not making any money, I'd still be doing this. But it, it definitely was a change from going from like, barely making any money shooting shows to starting to do photo shoots and starting to see like, oh, checks are coming in. That's kind of cool. And then build on that for sure. Hell yeah. Yeah. Jeremy, kind of riffing off that a little bit because there's I'm like, my mind is just flooding with like memories from back in the day. So it was Sharpies. It was disposable cameras. Seems like we were in the same space, maybe in the same store at the same time. But it was also like Hit Parader mm -hmm. and Circus Magazine. And those like live yep. shots and sometimes photo shoots. Was that also an inspiration? Like, oh, I, I, can, I can send these into a publication and, and get that going. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I wanted to be in magazines. The dream was getting, you know, a magazine cover. I, I did work for Circus Hit Parader, Metal Edge, Metal Maniacs, uh, MBWBK. Uh, when I first started, I kind of got in all those magazines because I had all these live shots. And if you remember, they used to do those full-page posters. You would flip through, yep. and then there's a full-page live photo. Do we remember? Come on, Jeremy. Yeah. That, that was our bedroom. That we was did. our bedroom. We did a whole episode <laughs> on it, I think, right? We, we yeah. did. We absolutely that did. That was all of our bedrooms. All of our bedrooms were plastered in photos. And the ceiling let me too. tell you how insane it is seeing like kids now with their walls covered in photos, and those are my photos on their walls, wow. of the wow. bands that I had on my walls. So, like, they'll have a Slayer photo on their wall that I took, and I had a Slayer photo on my wall growing up, and now they want to be a photographer. Like, that is the coolest thing ever. But, yeah, it it was amazing. Um, It's a bummer that literally none of those magazines exist anymore. Uh, It, it was one year they all went under. It was 2009 or 10, wow. I believe. Literally all four of those mag, all five of those magazines went under that year, which is such a bummer. But yeah, it, it was so cool because I, I got a Metal Maniacs cover, which was amazing. Um, you know, that was like the magazine. It, it's such a bummer that none of those magazines exist anymore. I mean, Hip Parader came back as an online store. It's not a magazine anymore. And it's like, why, why are you coming back to sell like, be a third-party seller of Funko and vinyl and T-shirts and stuff. Like, bring the magazine back. I brought a magazine back. You guys can bring a magazine back. Let's do it. You know, like, make it happen. Yeah, that's what Rockabilia is for, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what they are. Which is like, I would love to see Hip Raider come back as a print magazine. It would be so incredible. I have visions of uh, taking a kitty. Uh, this was like in 2002, 2003. The centerpiece of the magazine was a kitty poster. We hung that up in, in the hallway at school. We just plastered the school with it. It was like a vivid memory. Like th those are so important to us growing up, those mags. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's why we made the change in um, Alpern Magazine, the magazine where I'm the editor-in-chief, where we now have at least five to ten full-page photos that are just like pull-out posters in every issue now. Had to bring that back. That's like such a big part of magazines. Totally. Being able to cut out that photo and put it on the wall. Or even worse, when you had to buy two copies, 
because there was one photo on both sides and you needed both of them, you know? That's Nate again. Yeah. 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 I never read the articles. I just bought it for the photos. <laughs> well, we, we picked those, those, uh, Twan and I lugged those friggin' totes full of magazines up and down at camp this summer so that we could do that episode. We're pulling stuff out. We're pulling posters out. One of, you know, Queens of the Stone Age with Trent Reznor on the other side. It's like, yeah, I wanted two of those. I wanted to put up both of those mm-hmm. bands. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. Three years, a three year subscription to Kerrang Magazine. Just nonstop amazing. We call it nerdery. Just photos you wouldn't see otherwise, you know? Mm-hmm. And those were weekly, so you'd get a lot of those. Yeah. Men's Health 18 with Blink-182 on the cover, you know, that type of stuff. <laughs> oh, man, I did a Teen Beat photo shoot at one point for, uh, it was Hawthorne Heights, but nice. it was just funny to, oh, and I did a good Charlotte one, too, for them, but it was it was funny shooting for one of those Teeny Bopper magazines when they used to cover, like, alternative kind of stuff. That's amazing. <laughs> I love the range. And, like, do you listen to that stuff, too? Oh, I love Good Charlotte. Right on. Uh, yeah, Hawthorne Heights was okay. I liked that. Uh, that one album. Um, if only they were lonely. I think. Well, that song was on the album. I forget if that's the name. The there. Silence in Black and White. Uh, no, it's the one with the blue cover. Um, oh, okay. That was the one after that. Yep. But yeah, for, for that era when I was working mostly for like Victory, Trust Kill, and and Ferret, I loved all those bands because it's what you're surrounded with. It's what you see. You know, like there's some years where I saw you know, 18 visions or bleeding through or walls of Jericho, maybe like six times a year or even better toured with them for, you know, 30 days and got to see them for like 30, 40 days in a row. It's, you start to really like those bands if you don't already, you know, it kind of just happens, but yeah, pretty, pretty much most of the bands I shoot, I listen to for the most part, every now and again, there's a band where it's like, I'll shoot them. I'll shoot them live and I have no idea what they sound like. <laughs> There's a few out there that are like that. So when you're when you're shooting a band like, you know, for promotion, are you going to them? Or are they coming to you? Like what's a day like? Do you come in with a vision? Do they provide the vision? I'm so intrigued by this. Every shoot is completely different. Sometimes it's a member of the band hitting me up. Sometimes it's a magazine giving me a, an assignment. Sometimes it's me giving myself an assignment for a magazine. Sometimes it's an endorsement company, like a guitar company, a guitar pick company, whatever, um, a management company. It's always, always different. And then in terms of ideas, sometimes it's just like, all right, you got 30 minutes, do a photo shoot. And you, you come up with something and you have kind of an idea going into it. And then sometimes it's like, okay, here's the specific vision of what I want you to do photo wise. And you collaborate on it and make it, you know, what it is. And other times you have to go to them with the idea, like, here's what I want to do. Here's what we're doing. And it all depends on the context of the shoot, what it's for, if it's for them, if it's for a magazine, if it's for, you know, something else that kind of, you know, funnels it into what type of shoot it's going to be and who kind of calls the shots or, you know, directs it and whatnot. So it's, it's always different. And with that is also like costume design, everything is under your control or is that, is it kind of a collaboration? usually there's not much in terms of wardrobe. I mean, like, say you're shooting Guar, they're going to come up as Guar. You know, if you're shooting whatever band, they're probably going to show up in their stage outfits because that's what's most, you know, makes the most sense. But if you're doing, like, a campaign shoot, like you're shooting essentially what is supposed to last two years for a band where you shoot, you know, the album photos, their endorsement photos, their product photos there, uh, you know, everything that they use for exclusives for every different magazine, and you have all the different changes, 
you know, some bands don't change their, it's like, this is what we wear for everything. Just change the lighting, change the set, change the background, change that way. And I still do that regardless of clothing changes, but like wardrobe wise, it's usually just wear what makes sense, what fits the band. Mostly there's very few instances where, you know, younger bands who wanted input, I would say just, you know, stay cohesive, get things that make sense. Don't have a band that looks like you're five different people that randomly met and decided to hang out together for one night because you thought it would be funny. Don't be the breakfast club, you know, be, <laughs> that be, makes sense. Yeah. be a band that looks like a band, be a band that looks like a unit. Don't have, you know, sandals, shorts, uh, V-neck guy. And then like jacket, you know, long pants, you know, Ugg boots guy. And then, you know, guy with bullet belt and corpse paint, you know, be, be, yeah. be cohesive. That makes sense. It, it's interesting to think, uh, obviously you deal with a lot of established bands that know what they're going to be and what they're going to do, but then you do have some of those other bands that are coming up and they want a little guidance, but they just don't know where to start. Like that's, we've talked to a couple on both ends of the spectrum on this podcast and you can tell the ones that have been through a million interviews and this is another one and they're, and they're, they're, you know, engaging and having fun with it. But you can tell the ones that are like, we've never done this before. This is exciting. Like, oh, what do I, what do I answer? How do I answer that question? I'm not even sure. <laughs> Same idea, mm-hmm. I would think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you think about it, a photographer, if they're going to a photographer, they're trusting that photographer to kind of help curate their visual legacy within a certain spectrum of time. Like, if a band's coming to me again and again and again, like, say, a band like In This Moment, I've done their photos for... Uh, all of their official photos for maybe six or seven, eight years now, something like that. And they keep coming back to me because Maria will say like, I have this idea. How can we do this and make it, how can you suffer it? You know, and we kind of collaborate together and it's, it's really, it's not too difficult. She, she pushes me to like learn new stuff and go beyond my abilities a lot, which is great. But it's a lot of us working together, collaborating, bringing her visions to life, but also kind of maintaining their visual legacy while building upon it and curating it and kind of, you know, shaping that visual legacy. And, you know, I'd like to think a lot of bands do change their, their visual look over the years, for sure. Some don't, but I would like to think those shoots that have a big impact, like the My Chemical Romance uh, Three Cheers era photo shoot I did. I would say that's one of those photo shoots that helped shape their visual legacy. Not that they didn't already look like that, but those photos are so iconic to what they look like at that time. And I think I have that with a lot of bands, which is really cool. And I think when you go to a photographer and you want them to do your photos and you want them to kind of create with you, you're looking for someone to kind of freeze frame your visual legacy there and build upon it you know you said sapphire like what is that besides relate like you just said relationships like what is it is it lighting is it editing like i want to get in that brain generally like what is sapphire sapphirizing i just made that up so yeah she, I, she probably did too um she would look <laughs> at my photos of other bands and she would say i want to look like that but I don't want to be them. I want to be us, you know? And that's why bands come to me. They come to me because they see my work with other bands, with other artists. And they're like, we want that, but for us, we want it, you know, curated to our band. So it makes sense within 
what our world is rather than what their world is, what we really like what you did here. So it could be lighting, it could be posing, it could be editing. I, I don't do a lot of editing. I hate editing. It's the bane of my existence. I hate it so much. But but I came from a school of, I started on film. So it's it's all about like getting it right in camera so you don't have to edit. Learn how to do like, you see something that looks absolutely insane, learn how to do it with lighting rather than learning how to do it with Photoshop. And you don't have to spend all that time editing it to look a certain way when you could just light it to look that way. You know, it's it's really, um, I've had so many situations where you take a picture of a band, right? You show them the back of camera and they're so impressed that they get so stoked on the photo shoot. Like last week I was doing a photo shoot with a band uh, for a magazine. It was a quick little photo shoot. I took three test shots and said, this is what it's going to look like. And they had a little two second powwow, you know, not in English, in Swedish. And they're like, can we hire you today? to do our new photos that's amazing that's rad and i'm like and that's happened maybe six eight times this year where i'm doing a photo shoot for for something else the band sees the back of camera they see how i direct a band because that's that's also a very very big thing that i get a lot of feedback about and they hire me on the spot to do their new photos that's awesome or, or i do one photo shoot with them for a magazine they see the the outcome or how I shoot. And they're like, listen, we're going to be back in two months. We need to hire you to do our photos. And that happened with Guar. That happened with Sewin. That happened with Nightwish. That happened with Catatonia just this year alone. And it keeps on happening, which is awesome. Best feedback you could possibly get. <laughs> and and that's, I mean, that's a tribute to you. I mean, you, you yeah. obviously know what you're doing behind the camera. You obviously know what you're doing when you're setting, you know, sets up shots up to make, bands look good and you do i mean again go to the website click on that it's in the show notes right now there's some fucking badass photos there and you can you can buy some too right prints oh yeah yep we got a store and anytime i do prints it's always split with the band so it puts some money in the artist's pocket especially when they're not on tour which is which is awesome supporting the band you like well it's funny at tattoo the earth like we said earlier like you were up upstairs palladium in the balcony and i remember we had i had run over to uh Brandon Chapetti and I was like, "Hey, we're the podcasts for the festival. Do you want to come chat?" He's like, "Yeah, I just gotta do some photos, and then I'll be right with you." So we kind of tailed him, and dude, I was blown away when you were photographing. We were up there when you were photographing, bleeding through, and like you had some smoke and stuff. And I was like, "Holy shit, this is mind-boggling!" It was amazing to see in person uh, what goes into it. Thanks, man. I mean, that was the most simple setup I think I did all year because I was running from one fest to the next, but I love bleeding through. I've been doing their photos for, I don't know, 15 years at least, something like that, since uh, This Is Love era. One of, one of my first photo shoots, I, the first three photo shoots I did in my career, uh, first five actually, I can tell you, were first one was Lacuna Coil, second was Slayer, third was Bleeding Through, fourth was A Life Once Lost, and fifth was nice. A Perfect Murder, just remembering those top five off, off my head. But uh, yeah, Bleeding Through has been with me since essentially the foundation of my career, so it's always awesome when we cross paths of course like the lineup's completely different now but seeing the dudes that i i saw when i was just a little kid and they would just you know they would crash at my house because you know that's how it was back in the day it's like hey and anybody at the show got a house for us to crash at so like my house always had like you know walls of jericho bleeding through uh 18v those kind of bands just crash a day to remember those bands like crashing the the couches and then we would do a photo shoot the next day kind of thing 
so yeah, it's it's always cool getting to cross paths with them, and they're actually coming back in January, so I'm pretty pumped about that to the Palladium. Are you going to be at that one? With God forbid, I am bleeding through there. I'm not missing it. Hell yeah, yeah. Man. and God forbids back. Road trip. That's going to be road awesome. Trip, road trip. Oh, well, I, I haven't seen bleeding through upstairs. I saw him headline the Derek Kess tour, the Stress tour, mm-hmm. but I never seen some upstairs. I want to see it. Last time I saw them upstairs, I think was 2004, and it was that day we did that first photo shoot. Or no, I saw them before that, but they played downstairs at Metal Fest. The upstairs show was them, a life once lost, and a perfect murder, which is why those three photo shoots happened. Right on. But yeah, that that was a good tour. They're great Man. on a small stage, and they're great on a big stage. If we lived in the same state, we would have been friends for the last twenty years. <laughs> well, I'm sure we were at so many of the same shows because I was at any hardcore metal Palladium show. Yeah, we were there. Awesome. So you had your. You just gave us your first five there the, of a Slayer, Lacuna Coil. You get this, the call to do anything like that. Are you, you know, early on, are you at all starstruck or are you just like, nope, I know what I'm doing. I got this. I'm jumping in. I'm taking photos. I'm not worried about who it is. I'll figure that stuff out after. So Lacuna Coil happened before I knew anything about photography. That was shot on auto in the basement of the Webster Theater in Hartford, um, not knowing anything about photography. Uh, you got to understand, I went from disposable cameras to a digital camera, shooting on full auto, not knowing anything about ISO f-stop, you know, shutter speed, any of that stuff. I didn't know what it was. But uh, I shot a show with my mom's old Canon AE-1 on film, and it was the New England Metal and Hardcore Fest, and a lot of the photos came out pretty bad. I shot it on that and a digital, so I had both. And when I was when I saw the film not coming out that great, the person who worked at, uh, I don't know if you remember the Fuji camera stores that they used to have back in the day. Uh, they have one at my local mall. The person working there is like, okay, listen, this is what your ISO is. This is what a shutter speed is. This is what an f-stop is, and they took like literally a couple hours out of their day behind the counter to teach me photography, and I kind of learned from there, but I was still shooting on auto for a while before I went to Hallmark. The Lacuna Coil shoot was pre-Hallmark, Slayer, Bleeding Through, A Life Once Lost, Perfect Murder were all during Hallmark. So that was while I was at school learning it, so I was kind of learning as I went. The Lacuna Coil one was just like available lighting, whereas uh, Slayer Bleeding Through were with, you know, strobes, you know, big soft boxes and stuff like that. And that's how I started learning with those kind of shoots. But it was, it, how awesome is it to learn photography by shooting Slayer and shooting, <laughs> exactly. you know, Bleeding Through oh, and man. stuff like that? It's crazy. It's crazy. That best internship going. Yeah, but, but that's a testament to the bands. Like Slayer was for an assignment, it was for a magazine. But Bleeding Through was me, this little kid going up to, you know, Brandon being like, hey, I really like bleeding through. I have lights with me. Is it cool if we do a quick photo shoot before you guys go on? Doing, Hell yeah, let's do it. And, you know, experimenting and learning the lights while shooting, because that's the best way to learn by shooting. You know, obviously, you don't always have those kind of bands at your disposal, and that doesn't exist anymore. That world doesn't exist. Like, the bands at that level that are open to those things are kind of, like, not there anymore. There's either... The middle kind of dissipated, and you either have the really, really small or the really, really big, which is kind of an interesting thing to see that happened in the music industry, especially after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. bands are either, you know, massive or little, and there's very little in the middle nowadays, which is weird. 
we talked about that the summer of 2020 when we were kind of waiting for stuff to come back. And then we talked about it again fairly recently with uh, a local uh, musician, of our, a friend of ours, uh, who just got back off a tour. He's kind of in that middle class and it's shrinking. And we were like, what's it like mm-hmm. going out on tour, man? Like you had to rent a, a van and find support and all that stuff and do it all on your own. And we're worried about that middle class because it's a huge part of music. Like we need those people. <laughs> like they, they need to continue to be, uh, you know, people going from the small to the middle to the big and not just there's a small class and, and they're, you know, playing those tiny shows locally. And then you've got Slayer and you've got Metallica. We need more than that. Yeah. I mean, local scenes need to pop up more and be more, you know, supportive. I'm, I'm sure they exist elsewhere, but the Western mass scene doesn't exist anymore. And it was one of the biggest scenes in the music industry for, you know, over a decade. It, it just isn't here anymore, which is sad, but it's true. All those bands either grew up and, and out to be All That Remains and Shadows Fall and, you know, all that kind of stuff, or they just didn't and they're gone. They don't exist so anymore. How, how do you stay motivated? Like, cause, cause you've, you've scaled the highest mountain, you've done the Slayer, but like, how do you, I don't know, like, are you, are you still impressed by your work? I just feel like you've seen it all, done it all. And like, you're kind of this visionary and like, where else do you go? I feel like you've, I don't know. I'm, I'm just so fascinated by it. I think it's difficult to look at thing, things one shoot at a time. I think it's difficult to be impressed with what you do one shoot at a time. I think when you look back at a body of work, like a year's worth of work, or you look at like a compilation of photo shoots or, you know, five, 10 years worth of work, you're like, wow, I actually did stuff. You know, I think every shoot, you don't really have time to think about like it that. because you're, you're doing the shoot, you're editing it, you're getting it off, you're doing the next shoot, you're editing it, you're getting it off to where it needs to go, you're sending it to the magazine, to the band, to whatever. You're not really thinking, you, you're stoked on what you got, you're pumped, you put it out there. You promote it, you're stoked on the photo, but you know, you're just un- constantly moving, constantly moving and not really like letting it soak in. And I think things like like books, like magazines, like collections, like when you see um today we dropped the one hundredth issue of Outburn. And I definitely had a couple happy tears because I've been with them since two thousand five. The magazine went under, we brought it back. And seeing a hundred issues in the magazine because they printed every cover in there and it's like wow this is my 30 something cover without burn look at how far we've come look at how many of these bands don't exist anymore look at how much better the photography is now than then and look at how you know how much work is in here you know it's, it's cool to see those bodies of work kind of collected and to take the time to look at your body of work rather than look at just the next shoot. It's okay to look back. A lot of people are like, don't look back, just keep moving forward. And it's like, nah, it's okay to look back for sure. That is great advice to anybody grinding something out. Like absolutely look back and say, okay, look where we were when we started. Look where we Mm -hmm. were maybe six months in and then look where you are today. Wow. Like you've gotten better at it. Like keep doing it. You're good. Yeah, I would I would be out of a job if I wasn't getting any better. And I think um, the pandemic definitely helped with that a lot, for sure. Well, it's also one of the few careers where you can gain experience on the job instead of it being a job title. Hey, you need experience to even be in the interview process. But this is one of the few careers where you can gain experience on the job organically. I, th- I can't think of any other career where you, that is even remotely possible. Oh, uh, guitar tech, uh, drum tech, tour manager. Uh, any job on tour, sound person, 
um, music engineer. Uh, I could go on forever on on jobs where you can get experience by doing. But uh, the problem is to get in, there's a very, very, very high wall to get over to get in. Once you're in, you can kind of roll that and grow, but it's very hard to, and I see so many photographers kind of trying to get over that wall and some make it, some don't. But once you're in, you can really, you know, make things happen. I was lucky that, you know, I started with some bands that ended up getting really big. Like as MySpace was blowing up, there was my photos of My Chemical Romance, my photos of Avenged, my photos of 18V were their profile photos and my credit under them. And that really helped. You know, and every few years, there's a wave of new bands that are getting bigger and blowing up at the time with, you know, your name under it. And that's what really helps propel you to the next level of your career as well. But yeah, absolutely. It's it's awesome getting to learn by doing. That's a good point, too. And and something worth noting, the fact that it's a trust. There's a trust there. Like, it's almost like getting a tattoo. You were talking about Maria Brink with in this moment, it's like she wanted you because she saw something she saw somewhere else. Ultimately, a tattoo is a rep- representation of you as a personality and same with the photo shoots and how you want that vision to the outcome of that photo shoot to look. So there's a, little, a lot of parallels there with the, the tattoo side of things. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, sometimes you got to think of photo shoots just a photo shoot. It's something that a band does for 20 minutes because they want to be in a magazine or, you know, they're asked to be in a magazine and they have to do it for the feature to exist. And then other times it's so much more important because it's for their art, it's for their album, it's for, you know, something really important. Or like, I also shoot music videos or creating a music video for, for an artist. You know, it's much more important than a 20 minute photo shoot, but, you know, it's everything in between too. So some are definitely very, very important, very personal, very, you know, sought after for this person to do this thing. Other times it's, here's the photographer, here's the band, go, you know? What's the pivot for you to like move to like 3D? And what I mean by that is video. Like you've done music videos, you've directed, you know, photos is one thing, but to make it 3D, like how does that even happen? Maria. Maria, it was her? Yeah. It was her fault. Yep. (laughs) We were doing a photo shoot at my studio. She doesn't live too far from, from where I am. So it's not too rough for me to go to her or her to come to me. And she was like, oh, so um, while we're doing the photo shoot, we're just going to shoot a music video real quick for, for the song really? The Fighter. And I'm like, uh, I don't know how to do that. Oh, honey, you'll figure it out. It's fine. <laughs> she's the sweetest person ever. Like when I did the cover for Black Widow, she's like, I want it to look like Sin City. I want it to have rain. I want, you know, this, 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 and this. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. And she's like, oh, you'll figure it out. It's fine. And <laughs> it's that I trust. do. It's that trust. It, it is. It, it's knowing that. Every time we do something big, she says, this is what you need to learn to do it. And I know you can because you've done it every single time I task you with learning something new. And I did. <laughs> we did. And then, you know, once I shot that video and it did really, really well, I mean, it was so simple. It was like a ring light or two lights and me like unfocusing and focusing with a camera. You know, it, it was pretty simple. But that's still my favorite music video I've shot so far because it was just so it was just her, me, and lights. That's it. And I've been on video shoots where it's, you know, like a production of, you know, 100 people, lighting person, camera people, multiple camera people, you know, hair, makeup, all of this, you know, big to do. Just, you know, her and I, and that's it. And the last video we shot for in this moment actually was just her, her partner, Joe, me, my partner, Tara. That was it. That was 
who was on set. Simple and easy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> is some of that the you've got the hundred people? Obviously, there's places and labels and uh, areas where that money kind of gets flown, you know, pushed into, and that's why you get all that. But like as you said, you could do it with three or four or five people. Some of that's got to be technology, but some of that's just you grind it out, you figure it out yourself, and and do it yourself DIY. It's the level of what's going into the video, just like what's going into a photo shoot. Like, okay, do we need extras? Do we need, you know, do we have a full band and we're doing this scene, this scene, this scene, this scene with different looks every scene and different locations every scene? Or are we shooting you in a bathtub full of milk from overhead and it's just you and I and we're doing a few takes of that and then a few takes of you wearing a mask against a black background? We don't need all these other people for that. We just need us. And it's also a comfort thing. I think it's kind of stressful for artists to be surrounded by, it's either easier or more difficult. It's more difficult in that they don't have, you know, hey, go do this. Okay, they have 10 people who can go do this. But it's so much easier when it's just two people communicating and that's it. You don't have all these other cooks in the kitchen, all these other things. Wait, let me fix this. Wait, let me fix this. Wait, let me do this. Wait, let me change this you know, which happens on big sets, um, which I, I, anytime I do a photo shoot, it's usually not a big set. You know, it's usually pretty much me, an assistant or two, the band, maybe hair and makeup, and that's it. Very rarely hair and makeup, uh, usually for big shoots only. But uh, small sets kind of are easier to control and easier to contain and more comfortable, you know, less stress. You might have just answered my question, but what's your preference? The big one with all the help or the smaller set with... Well, it, it depends on what the shoot is, again. Like, if the shoot's a big shoot with a lot of extras and you have makeup and special effects and blood and all sorts of stuff, the more people, the better, because it'll get done quicker and the shoot won't last 16 hours. You know, that's very important. But if it's just a simple shoot of me and a band, I'd rather have it be more, you know, organic. Like, hey, it's just us. Let's Let's do this. There's no reason to have the multiple other people you know always have an assistant but beyond that how do you know you're done like how do you know that where it's like that's the shot that's the one both photog and visuals with the music videos so music videos you kind of have a, a list of what you need to shoot and it's kind of it is what it is in terms of photo shoots and, and to be fair i've only shot like a handful of music videos that's not my main thing at all like i haven't done one since the pandemic, which was the one thing I shot during the pandemic, which was the In This Moment video. So it's definitely not something I shoot enough to have a lot of uh, commentary on. But in terms of photo shoots, there are photo shoots where you have all the time in the world. You can shoot whatever you want. You have the whole day or you have two days. And you kind of feel it. You know that like that dramatic, comedic, the energy has left the room. The shoot, photo shoot is over. <laughs> that happens. That yeah. is an actual thing. You feel it. You feel it when you got what you needed. Everyone's excited about what you got. And anything you shoot beyond that is either not necessary and not necessary or like, you, you know, you're just tired and you're done and you hit that wall and it's time to, you know, eat some pizza and celebrate that the photo shoot's over. Um, but a lot of other times it's you have five minutes with this band. Or you have two minutes with this band, go, and your time is, and that shoot is over at one minute and fifty seconds. You know, yeah. Is that what it was like at Tattoo the Earth? It was just like they're coming in, they're taking pictures, and they're out. I'm usually very quick 
as a photographer because I'm very used to having to do quick shoots. So if I'm giving given five minutes, I'm going to get it done in three. But I didn't really have a time constraint with those guys other than like, hey, we're playing at this time, you know, but I didn't need to get a lot of stuff because it was a one shot for a magazine and it was quick and easy to get. Nice. It also depends on what you need out of the shoot. If you just need one shot for a magazine, you don't need more than five to 10 minutes. If you need to do a full feature spread, you know, you might need a half hour. If you're doing a cover or multiple covers, you probably need, you know, half a day or a day. And if you're doing a full campaign, definitely a day. So it definitely depends on what the output needs to be. Interesting. Yeah. That's something that just your, your common fan and even us before just now, you know, doing yeah, this so. podcast wouldn't have thought to think, to ask the question, but I'm so glad that we are, we we get to dig into these things because I don't know where else I would get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And like I said, every single shoot is completely different. Very rarely are any shoots similar or the same. What's the craziest thing that's happened on a set? Like something natural disaster, or someone got sick or anything like that? I mean, I've had all sorts of things happen on a photo shoot. I've had uh, someone so drunk they threw up or fell over or passed <laughs> out. Jeez. I've had uh, someone poop in my studio, not an animal, <laughs> like a, a human. Wow. Yeah, they're in government now, so that's that's a thing. <laughs> it, n not the dude from Most Precious Blood. No, he's good people. It was someone <laughs> else on that label in a different band who who pooped in my studio oh, for some Justin, reason. Was it Justin, not him? <laughs> it wasn't Justin. Justin's wasn't good people. Justin. <laughs> I, I didn't want people to hear that and think like, what did Justin do? But it, it, somebody else. It, it was not Justin. But yeah, I've I've had all sorts of th I've had people walk out of photo shoots. I've had that happen because they were having a bad day or something, and they just walked out. Or you know, the photo shoot doesn't happen for one reason or another. I set up my lights, we're ready to go. Photo shoot doesn't happen. I don't think I've had like a fight happen at a shoot or anything like that. But uh. Yeah, I think those are the craziest things. So it's not that crazy. It's kind of boring. <laughs> we haven't had anybody drunk yet. I don't think anybody's pooped. Uh, but we have had people just, we've set up, we're ready to go. We've got all our our notes and no show. So that has happened before. I do. I can feel that. I understand that feeling. See, for me, it's different because I'm at the show. I'm in the venue. Right. They're there. And it's like, homies, let's let's go. And the biggest bummer is like, the last time that happened, it was with someone who's not with us anymore. And it was last year, and it could have happened if I waited for it. And it, here was the tricky thing. I wanted to shoot it on the floor of a venue. They wanted to do it right before they went on. Right before they went on, there was nowhere for me to shoot because there was you know, nowhere where fans were not going to be. So I wasn't able to do it. And I was like, you know what? Let's just leave. Well, I'll get them next time. And Sadly, there is never going to be a next time, which is such a huge bummer. Jeremy, so another question, kind of random. You know, since you're around these artists that, you know, you may or may not be starstruck, like you said, you fucking Slayer fan, now you're shooting Slayer, like crazy shit like that. But also being a photographer from disposable cameras to where you are today. And then next thing you know, you're rubbing shoulders with people like Ross Halflin and, you know, the ones that everyone knows, the rock photographer royalty. Do you ever get starstruck or do you ever see yourself like wow this guy inspired what i do i took some notes from this guy and now i'm somewhat at this guy's level if not better is is there any any of that going on or so i'm i'm weird in 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 how i'm a photographer in that i didn't grow up looking at other photographers i grew up a mu musician 
So I was looking at James Hetfield solos. I was looking at Kirk solos. I was looking at like Alexi Leo solos. I was learning that. Um, I did have one photographer's work on my wall that I knew, and it was Ross, Ross Halfin. That was the only photographer I knew. And in 10 years, the first like, not first 10 years, but first like five, six years of photography, he was the only photographer whose name I knew. You know, I didn't know who Andy Leibovitz was. I didn't know who Ansel Adams was. I knew Ross Halfin, that's it. When I was very new and just starting out, I reached out to him and he was not the kindest person, but he's well known for that. You know, he admits that. He says that if you get his Metallica book, either the foreword or the back of the book is a letter someone wrote to him about how much of a dick he is. And he's like proud to be a dick and be a dick to people. Like he takes pride in how awful he is to people. And it could be his sense of humor. It could be his way. But he was very not nice to me back then. And there was a situation that came up recently as well. So, yeah, in that air, in rubbing shoulders with Ross and working with some of the same bands he works with and him not being very happy about that for sure. <laughs> Nowadays, anyway. Yeah, no, no. But um, I, I did meet Neil Zalazer. Uh, I can't pronounce their last name. And I didn't know who they were. And then I saw Rockstar. I'm like, oh, it's the photographer from Rockstar. And then their work's legendary. And it's really cool. And like now more so, I'm I'm seeing work of photographers of my level or up and coming whose work I just think is incredible. And I'm just like, oh, my God, dude, it's so awesome. Your work's amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. Like, holy hell, it's amazing. And we're like mutual fans of each other's work. But in terms of photographers I grew up with, there weren't any. And f photographers that inspire me, they're either dead or on a level where I'll never meet them anyway. You know, wow. they're doing yeah. stuff that's outside of my world. Like David LaChapelle, he's one of my favorite photographers, and the stuff he does is nowhere near our world. But yeah, I'm definitely like, I see a lot of photographers out there and I see their work, but it's not the most famous photographers who have been doing it for 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. It's the people doing it now who do incredible work, and there's yeah. so many out there, and those are the names I know my contemporaries who I think are incredible. And there's so many toss a couple out. Who are you talking about? Man, when I'm put on the spot, I'm the worst. <laughs> Me too, but I had to, sorry. I am the, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think, uh, Beatrice, she's a singer of a band as well. Beatrice Marino. She's an amazing photographer. Karen Jerzyk, of course, is amazing. Um, she, she was a photographer who shoot shows back in the day with us. Yeah, there's a lot of up-and-coming photographers who are really good. Black Rabbit, he does a lot of the the creepy shoots with uh, Missy, who does the custom art for, like, King Diamond, Merciful Fate, Cradle of Filth, Ice Nine Kills, Motionless and White. Uh, the photographer that she works with a lot, he's amazing. Um, but yeah, there's there's so, so many out there where I just nerd out on their photography. It's always cool when you see a photo and you can't figure out how it was done. That's what does it for me in music in and in photography when you see something and you're just like how the hell does this exist what did they do to make this rather than something where you're like oh okay they took one light and did this and this that stuff doesn't impress me as much as unless it's like technically insane like the, the Lindsay adler stuff which is you know incredible but seeing stuff where i don't know how it was done and i can't figure it out and i don't know how to recreate it that's the stuff that really impresses me. And then same thing with music. When you're hearing these bands, when it's like, all right, this band sounds like 77 other bands that sound exactly the same versus a band that sounds like 
Like I listen to a lot of Zeal and Ardor. That band's incredible, and they sound like no other band that exists. Uh, I did a lot of years touring with I Russell the Bear once, and they were a band that sounded like no other band True. out there. Yeah. I love hearing those bands that sound like nothing else out there. Ghost, they're another band that came out, and they're like, no one else is doing this. And that's what propelled them to where they are. Ice Nine Kills right now, they they definitely sound like some other bands, but no one's mixing sound the way they are. No one's mixing the metal and the massive choruses the way they are. So it's like, damn, that new album's killer. So, Well, it's one thing for, for us to have that mentality, because that happens a lot. Like, we're, we're a bunch of hacks. But to have you look at art and acknowledge that, like, that's impressive. That's the cream of the crop. Well, I think that's what impresses everybody who's in what they do. When you do something and you are kind of like in it and you're doing it every day and you see someone doing the same thing as you, but you can't figure out how they did it because it's so awesome and it blows your mind. You're just like, dang, I need to watch their work. This is this is incredible. It really impresses you. And I've heard that in a lot of, uh, I'm a big movie nerd, seeing director interviews where they saw a movie and they're like, how did they do this? How did they light this? Oh my God, what an incredible shot. How did you even get that shot? How does that shot exist? And I see that in movies all the time. I'll be watching a movie and see a scene and it's like, how do I transpose this scene in a movie to photography? How do I put a band here in this scene that I'm looking at? How do I recreate it? And if it's something I can't even come close to figuring out, it's just so impressive. And it's really cool to see you know, a breakdown of that. And that's why I do breakdowns of everything I do. Like, I'll post a photo, I'll post a behind-the-scenes, show where the lights are, the light settings, the camera settings, um, a behind-the-scenes video as well, and just a full breakdown of all the settings I use. So if you want to recreate anything I did, that's how I did it. Now you know how to do it. And I would wow. love to see that with so many other, you know, creatives out there. It's such an awesome thing. Open source. Yeah, that's a yeah. special, special kind of nerdery, and that's the type of shit that we love. So, yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Absolutely. Uh, you've got a a gallery coming up in LA in February, correct? Yeah, yeah. Daughters of Darkness. It's a book I put out uh, two years ago during the pandemic, and because it came out during the pandemic, we never had a gallery show. We never had a book signing. It just came out, um, which was awesome. But it'll be great to finally have a gallery show. But what we're doing for it to make it more interesting is we're doing photo shoots that aren't in the book. Photo shoots that have happened since the book came out as well. So it'll be really cool to do that. And actually do an in-person signing, finally. Nice. Yeah, what is that all going to be, if anybody's out in the West Coast and wants to get to it? Uh, Exhibit A Gallery, which is owned by uh, Richard Villa III, who does like a lot of artwork for Black Veil. He did that big uh, Metallica art show, which was awesome. Um, amazing artist. We did a collab print as well, which is his work over my work, uh, which we've posted. And he's doing prints of those for the gallery show, which will be fun. A lot of the models who are in the book are going to be there. and some other guests and whatnot, special guests and surprises. So it's going to be really fun. Nice. This is in uh, Los Angeles, I take it? Yep. Yep. Los Angeles nice. Exhibit A Gallery. Jeremy, we were talking last night that like we think, and I'd like to get your perspective on it. We think this is the best era for someone like you to live in with your skill set because print is still hanging on. There's digital. But then like we know you have, you have a Patreon, right? And that you, you're doing seminars. Like I can't mm -hmm. think of any era where you could showcase what you do than like this era i think if i knew what i knew now and could do what i do now 20 years ago that's where it would be the best because if you look right at on. and you, yeah. you guys are still going to shows 
like the difference between how many photographers you shot you saw at a show in a photo pit back then versus what you see now there's 10 times as many yeah there are way more photographers out there not that anyone should be competitive that's not a way to be don't be competitive everyone everyone's there for a different reason but like in terms of okay there's these and you name them by name there's karen there is aaron there is dan there is rob there is jeremy there is you know chuck there is uh todd there are those photographers you know who they yep. are do you know any of the photographers in the pit now no so like <laughs> very different era because there's so many out there it's there's just countless photographers anyone can get a camera very easily get photo passes and shoot shows which is awesome it's amazing seeing so many creatives out there doing their thing getting into it i love it it's it's awesome but it's also you know people are kind of spread thin in terms of content you go to any show and there's 40 photographers and everybody in the audience who took pictures on their cell phones posting video footage and photos you don't have exclusive photos anymore that get all the eyes you know that's a good point yeah yeah really good point yeah, so with like, you know, you go to a, you're sometimes better off not shooting the show, getting a ticket, going in with a disposable, not a disposable camera, like a point and shoot or your cell phone, and you'll get better content as a fan with a ticket up close than you will being a photographer with a photo pass, which is not a bad thing. That's, it's just technology has gotten there. It took a long time for it to get there and it's only going to get better, but we're in an era where anyone can be can get the content that you would normally exclusively get. Yeah, that's a good good point. The the fan perspective also, but one thing you just said that kind of got me thinking, that like mob of photographers, are a lot of those on retainer for like Rolling Stone and Spin and are exclusive to that or is it always kind of free? Spin doesn't exist anymore. That's true. <laughs> they went out of print. Um I believe they're online only now and Rolling Stone doesn't really cover what we like, you know. They they very rarely cover music for the most part. Um, they're they're very much just pop culture, which is is fine. You know, the dream was like to get the photo on the cover of Rolling Stone when they were a music magazine. Yeah. That's they're never gonna cover anything I shoot. That's for dang sure. Or get Definitely. on MTV, which yeah. also uh, yeah right yeah. yeah yeah it's a different era. So it's very easy for anyone to make a www.metalsite.com and shoot for that metal site there's a lot of people who do that that's how i started i started chaosmetal.com and that's how i got into shows at first you know having a, a webzine and i'd say a lot of them are on webzines a lot of them are shooting on assignment for you know online and print mags and everyone's in there for a reason some are friends with the band and got a photo pass some are shooting for esp or you know tama or especially in boston where you know, Vic Firth, uh, Zildjian, that, that's all out of Boston. They're all shooting for different reasons, yeah. Well, it's funny, like, I saw online, it was the first time I've ever heard of it, where uh, someone filming the show has to had to pay a venue per camera, which I think that lends itself to exactly what you're talking about, where it's so saturated that there's such a demand for it that they need to create a barrier to entry. Well, that that was uh, hate five six, and that was exactly. a yeah, yeah. That that's a different situation of a venue being disingenuous to him. I think so. That's an exception, not the rule. Yeah. Yes, I think that was a venue being kind of disingenuous to him and being pretty awful to him. But 
again, I'm not video guy, I'm a photo guy. I can say that a photographer does not have to pay to shoot a show. As far as I know, I've never dealt with that. I've shot all over the world. I've toured with bands. I've never seen anything like that, but I have seen filming restrictions. Um, different venues don't allow it at all. Not allowed. You cannot film video. Others, you know, there is some sort of fee you have to pay for using. It's not per camera. Usually I would say it's just like, here's the flat fee to shoot here. So you're, cause you're using our stage and our visuals or whatever else. But that being said, I don't know too much about that world as I'm, I'm a photo guy more, more than video guy. I think we hit everything, yeah. I think the only thing is, um, and Jeremy, it's, it's how much you want to let out of the bag. Like you have a new book coming out, right? Do you want to like tease anything like that? We we want sure. to put you on. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the next book I'm um, I'm working on is a music photography book. So it's not just going to be photos. It's going to be the story behind the shoot, how I met the band, how the shoot came to be, collaborating with them, and then it's also going to have the band's perspective. So while I write like how we met, how we started working together the behind the scenes photos, the the photos you haven't seen before and the final photos, it will also have someone like Maria or Christina or Simone or Tobias and whoever else writing what their experience was with the photo shoot with working with me. So it's going to be a really cool thing. All good things, of course. Oh yeah, hopefully. Um, (laughs) There's definitely going to be some stuff in there where things didn't go right, you know, that I, that I can put in there and, uh, you know, I'm interested to see like when I hit that artist with like, hey, so we're good now, but remember when this happened, I'm putting this in the book. Are you okay with it? And see how that goes. Because mm, mm. there, there is a, a little bit of that for sure. Um, but I want that in there. That That's important to know that like not everything goes according to plan. Not everything goes smoothly. Sometimes you have to navigate when things go wrong and make them go right or just walk away or you know, fix it if you can, or just leave it broken, you know, that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, I, it's something kind of celebrating 20 years as a photographer, which I hit uh, next year, technically. Wow. My first photo shoot was uh, Lacuna Coil 2003. So, you know, I'd be, I've been shooting live um, for many, many years up to that. But yeah, first photo shoot was them in, in 03. So next year's 20 years as a photographer. And it's insane to think t- 2003 was like 20 years ago. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, I remember sure. all those shows. <laughs> Does the book have a name? Uh, it doesn't yet. It has a, a working title, but we're, we're still figuring it out. I have a name I want it to be, but we'll see what happens with publisher and all that. I'm thinking Saf- the Saffir effect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hell no. Saffir. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, the, the working title is uh, All the World's a Stage, because I shoot everywhere. Nice. You know? That's rad. Yeah. I'm hoping that will stick, but we'll see. Nice. So. Yeah, we've got that. You've got the the Daughters of Darkness coming up in February. Get the seminars, get the Patreon. Go to jeremysaffer.com for all of that stuff. And uh, man, really, really appreciate talking with you tonight. This is, uh, when we met you this summer, I, I thought it might be like this. I'm happy that it was because this, this is exactly what we wanted. Like, it's just a great conversation about the behind the scenes stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Right on. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate thank this. You. It was awesome. Thanks, Jeremy. Awesome. Yeah, of course. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Patio Slave. We are at Patio Slave on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of the places that you can find us on social media. Facebook, Patio Slave Podcast. YouTube, Patio Slave Podcast there. Email us at patioslavepodcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you want to become a supporter, click on the link at the bottom of the episode and give us a dollar, give us five bucks. It keeps the lights on, keeps us going. We really appreciate that stuff. Thank you.